0: Hi, my name is Brady and I'm a longtime fitness professional and Midwest girl turned mountain living hiking addict. In combining my knowledge of fitness and passion for hiking, I've helped hundreds of women get lean and strong for the trails. Think of this as your one-stop shop for both education and inspiration on all things female wellness, trail talk, and adventure. Hiking, female metabolism, motherhood, nutrition, travel, and fitness are all topics you'll hear discussed here. If you are outdoorsy and active, looking to level up your health, unlock your potential, and become inspired to live your most vibrant life, you're in the right place. You're listening to the Fit for Hiking podcast. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Fit for Hiking podcast. Today, we are doing a Q&A style episode. So these are some frequent questions that I've gotten regarding fitness, health, nutrition, so kind of more on the fitness side of things today. Um, So I have a few questions that I've gotten frequently from clients, from people in DMs and question boxes, things like that. So I wanted to address those on a bigger scale than what I can just on social media. So I figured today would be a great day to dive into some of these topics and frequently asked questions. So let's get into it, you guys. The first question that we have is, how does sleep affect weight? This is a really great question because you probably always hear how much getting sleep is important to a healthy lifestyle, to maintaining a healthy weight, but let's get into why. So recent studies on sleep and gym performance correlation followed two groups who were doing the same workout regimen. So exact same variables as far as training. The group that was getting upwards of eight plus hours of sleep a night saw significantly more strength and muscle gain than the group that was getting less than seven hours per night. So we know from this study and from studies like this that have been done in recent years, that getting proper sleep definitely does affect our, um, you know, effectiveness of our workouts and actually getting strength gains, out of them and muscle gain as well. So another area that this affects is adherence, because if you are sleeping less, if you're exhausted, if you're just chronically underslept, you're probably not going to have the same energy that you normally would, therefore making it harder to adhere to a workout regimen. I can speak from this personally because my daughter was a notoriously rough sleeper for the first year and a half of her life. Like we really struggled with sleep. We tried all the things, you know, did sleep consultations, tried it all. And she just was not having it. So I spent about a year and a half on and off Being extremely overtired and not getting good sleep. And I often felt like I was a walking zombie because life goes on. I had to work. I had to get through the day, still try to maintain my healthy habits. And yeah, my exercise habits definitely suffered during this time. I was working out a lot less because I didn't have the energy I needed to show up to a workout. So you're just going to have less motivation overall if you're constantly drained of energy. And then it also can affect um adherence to any sort of nutrition regimen because it affects our hunger hormones. So what's really interesting here is that your hunger hormone which is called ghrelin actually rises when you are getting less sleep. So when if you're waking up after only like 5 hours, 6 hours of sleep or just really poor sleep, your hunger hormone is actually going to go up while your satiety hormone which is called leptin is going to decrease. So this is why it makes it a whole lot harder to make good decisions around food when we are exhausted. You're probably just not going to put the same amount of care in. You're going to be hungrier. You're not going to be as satisfied. Um, So all of this together kind of makes it a perfect storm to not get optimal results out of what we're doing as far as our gym efforts if sleep is not a priority. So getting good quality sleep, so not even just like the amount of time you're in your bed, but actually Getting good deep sleep is so important, especially as we get older to like functioning our best, showing up in our workouts, getting the most out of our workouts and eating properly. Okay. Number two, how important is exercise for weight loss? So again, talking about some studies that have been done, a systematic review pulled 80 studies that all looked at exercise alone for weight loss. And the studies followed these participants for a year plus So the conclusion of these studies was that exercise without food restriction really does not produce meaningful weight loss. So this tells us quite a bit. And unfortunately, a lot of people turn to exercise as their like sole means to losing weight. Like if someone's on a crusade to lose some weight, it's like all about the workouts. And this is really, I mean, evidence backs this. This is not just me spouting this, you guys exercise alone is not a meaningful method for, for weight loss, especially for sustained weight loss. Okay. So let's talk about why it's extremely easy to eat back the calories that we're burning during exercise, which are often far less than what we think that they will be. Like oftentimes if we're working out for an hour, we assume we're burning, you know, six to 800 calories. And in reality. You might be burning way, way less than that, depending on your body size, the amount of muscle you have and the adaptations that take place over time, the longer that you work out and the more that you do lose weight. So it's not a super cut and dry equation here. We can't rely on calorie burn for, for our weight loss. Um, and also it's really easy to get those hunger signals up. The more that we are exercising, especially if our goal with exercise is calorie burn. if we're all about the cardio, if we're all about burning calories, going as hard as we can, not only is there that mental component that kind of lets us know, like, oh, I did a hard workout. I earned this, which I mean, I've heard that so many times working in fitness, like, oh, I got to earn these calories. Um, it's, it's a really hard mental thing to undo that you need to earn your calories. Um, and that when you've worked out, then therefore you can eat whatever you want to eat. Very, very not true. And really hinders people oftentimes leaving us like super in a vicious cycle of, working out really hard, eating it back, and then not really seeing any weight loss progress if that's the goal. So it's going to affect the mental side of things as well as just the physiological side of things where you will be physically hungrier the more you're driving up that activity. So you're kind of going to be putting yourself in a place where it's a lot harder to adhere to any sort of calorie restriction if you are constantly over-exercising to the point that your hunger is out of control right? Your body's going to win out eventually. And I talk about this really in depth in episode 29. So that podcast episode is all about, um, why it's not super effective to use exercise as your main goal for, uh, fat loss. So I definitely recommend listening to that. If this topic piques your interest. All right. Number three, this is kind of a quick one, but is being sore important for seeing results? The answer is no, you can see the same amount of physique change with or without being sore. So this is kind of a mental trick. I think like if we are super sore, we often associate that with a successful workout. Like, oh, that was productive. I made my body so sore that I can hardly walk, man. I really crushed it. But the reality is being overly sore is actually not ideal and it can hinder workout consistency and volume, which are the two biggest precursors to actually changing the body and adding muscles. So if we're not consistently loading the muscles and we're not getting a proper amount of volume in a given week over time, week after week, and we're not going to see progress in the gym. So what happens is if we do an extremely hard workout and we totally fry our muscles, let's say on a Monday, and then we are so sore that we can't walk or work out again until Friday, we're really lacking that consistency and volume component. So you're really honestly getting in your own way. It would be so much better to work out at a moderate intensity, not working out so long and hard and choosing weights that are maybe inappropriate for where you're at to the point where you're so sore that you can't work that same muscle group again for another week. Um, we want that consistency more than anything else. It would be better to do four to five moderate workouts a week versus like one to two where you just totally fry your muscles. All right. Number four, should I skip workouts on my period? I like this question. It's been such a big thing. I feel like in social media, this this topic of cycle thinking. Um, And I do feel that it is a bit overhyped when you actually look at the data and what women are capable of. And we are not gentle flowers just because we are on our period. And I think it's worth mentioning that because I think sometimes these cycle thinking people are like almost fear mongering women into thinking like that it's harmful for us to work out on our periods at all, which is just not the case. So actually, if you look at what's going on in that particular week of menstruation, physiologically, our bodies are at a very high capacity for recovery as females. So actually, the week of menstruation, we have the ability to really do a whole lot of benefit as far as weightlifting and get some good muscle building recovery during that week. It happens to be the week before menstruation, which is called the luteal phase, where we are a bit more sensitive to hard workouts. We're going to be more sensitive to inflammation and more likely to actually injure during that week. So if you're going to take it easy and kind of pull back during one week of your cycle, it should probably be the few days leading up to when you actually start menstruation. So that doesn't mean you need to do absolutely nothing. It just means you might not want to try to set PRs that week. You might not lift the heaviest weights you've ever lifted. And you might not want to do intense cardio or HIIT um, in in a way where you're going to drive up inflammation. During menstruation, yes, you might have some cramps. I definitely struggle for like the first few days of my period with bloating, cramping. I'm probably not feeling like working out really hard, um, but that's okay. You can definitely do gentler forms of workouts like long walks, hikes, Pilates, yoga, even just lighter weightlifting. Maybe you want to stick with your weightlifting schedule for that day, and you're just not lifting as heavy, and maybe you're resting a little bit, or it's not going to do any damage to you, though, to work out during your period is really what I want to kind of get across with this answer. Okay, so now we covered that. Let's move on to number five, uh, how to stick to a healthy nutrition regimen while traveling. I love this question, too, because I have done so much travel over the last few years, literally living in a van and doing long van trips, even after we moved out of the van, doing international travel for several months at a time. And all of that time, I've managed to kind of maintain a healthy weight, not really swing too much in my in my weight or my you know, body composition. And it's been through these few principles. So that's kind of what I want to share with you guys. So the biggest thing to remember is not to take an all or nothing approach. If you treat every single time where you leave your house or like go on a weekend, getaway or anything as like a free for all with your nutrition and alcohol, then you're definitely going to struggle to maintain um, results from the gym or just a healthy weight overall, because you're really not doing your body any favors by those large swings. Um, So what we want to focus on is a moderation approach. And you can kind of take two different revenues here, or two different avenues here, rather. Um, You can go a tracking route or a non-tracking route with your nutrition. So let's talk about, the non-tracking route first. So if you don't want to track nutrition, maybe it's a vacation, or you just don't like tracking in general, and you just want to enjoy, then these are some of the things that you're going to want to focus on. The first is getting veggies in at at least two meals a day. If you're mindful of veggie intake, you're just naturally going to pick healthier options. If you really make that a priority and make it a non-negotiable when you're traveling, you're gonna gravitate towards healthier things on the menu. So just make that a non-negotiable when you go out to eat, when you're in these situations where you can't necessarily control everything, focus on veggies and protein. So the other thing you're going to want to do here is try to get at least a palm full or fistful of protein at every single meal. Okay. So that is going to be huge. And this is where having some sort of history of tracking is helpful because you can also kind of know, all right, if I'm having... Greek yogurt, or if I'm having eggs, like generally this is kind of the amount of protein that I'm getting. And if you're already aware of those things, that's going to make it a whole lot easier to Choose options that are more protein forward. So, choosing protein and veggies as many of your meals as possible is going to help with satiety and filling you up with the right things, but also maintaining lean muscle and getting good micronutrients from the veggies. You're just going to feel better overall than if you're just eating like greasy food, eating out, um, you know, for an entire week on your vacation. Trust me on that. You're definitely going to feel better and thank yourself later the next tip is to go to a grocery store right away when you land or arrive at your destination and go get some of your like go-to high protein snacks so whether that's like protein bars greek yogurt cups um you know any of your go-to's that you're like this is what i typically gravitate towards to get protein in between meals protein powder um you know protein smoothies Things like that. Um, Have those on hand so that when you are snacking, you're not just like mindlessly eating all of the unhealthy things that might be around while you're traveling. And the next is to shoot for a limited amount of alcohol. Alcohol can be a massive part of what derails people while traveling um, or just in everyday life in general when we overdo it. So setting some boundaries around, maybe it's a daily limit. You know, if you're going to an all inclusive resort and you know that there's going to be a lot of alcohol around choosing to only have one or two per day while you're there, or if it's a not, you know, it's a, type of trip where you're not really around much alcohol anyways, maybe you just pick one day where you go to dinner and have a few cocktails or glasses of wine and keep it at that, but setting some boundaries before you go. So it doesn't just, again, turn into a free for all with alcohol, because that also is going to affect the food that you're choosing your sleep quality, your activity the next day. I mean, the the ripple effect of going overboard with alcohol is Massive. So, we want to make sure that we're choosing wisely as to when we want to indulge in alcohol while traveling. So, the other approach is to keep track of nutrition at least loosely while you're traveling. And if you want to not really focus on food quality at all and you want to just be able to eat all the things, then I recommend tracking. This is because you can keep things at a moderate amount without having to choose veggies at every single meal. And while I wouldn't recommend this in everyday life, if you're traveling and you don't have access to choose like healthy options, then you're going to want to keep track of your nutrition and try to stay in a moderate range. So this is going to depend on the individual as far as the range that you're staying in, what your goals are, if you're trying to maintain, if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to gain weight. So I can't necessarily tell you the calorie range. This is where working with a coach is helpful to kind of identify what your basal metabolic rate is and what you should be eating as far as the calorie intake based on that information. And this is something that we can help you with in Mountain Metabolic Coaching, which I always link in the show notes, the application form there. So if you want some specified help with nutrition, definitely apply at the link in the show notes. Um, But having a range that you're trying to stay in within your calories and all things can go into that, but we wanna make sure that we're moderating food intake even if it's like you're eating fast food for every single meal, you can still like maintain or lose weight eating fast food at every single meal. There have been studies done on this. Like there was a McDonald's study where someone lost weight eating McDonald's for every single meal for an entire month, simply by restricting the amount of calories. So remember that quantity is going to affect kind of the direction the scale moves, but food quality is still very important because it affects how we feel and our overall health markers. So we don't want to neglect food quality long-term, but definitely if you're traveling, you don't have access to healthy options, or you're not really able to control these things, then you can still focus on maintaining a healthy weight through food quantity. And another fun rule that I kind of live by, this tip has really helped me in eating out situations, is choosing one option between dessert, a drink, or an appetizer. I think too often we just are like in eating out mode. So we're like, okay, I'm just going to do all of the things because it's all an option. It's all available. It's exciting. But then what we do is we end up like way overeating at that one meal. So with my meal that I order, I only... Give myself the option to choose a drink, a dessert or an appetizer instead of multiple of those or all three. Definitely helps keep the calorie count down so that I'm feeling my best and not just overeating and indulging for an entire week's worth of eating out. Right. All right. And then the final question is how does stress impact the body and weight loss? Um, This is a great question um, and one that I've answered in depth in a couple other episodes, one of the beginning episodes, um, stress and exercise. I definitely recommend going back and listening to that if this is a question that you are intrigued by. Um, but long story short, what we wanna think about here is our total stress bucket as humans. So this could be you know, current work stress, relational stress, your disposition in general, if you're a kind of a higher stress person, or if you're more relaxed, any sort of physical stress that you've been under, Um, and sleep quality, all of these things are going to affect your stress threshold, your stress bucket. So let's say that you are in a very stressful situation at work right now, you have a stressful commute home, and then you go home and you have a lot of responsibilities. And you're also kind of a type A person and you are in general, a little bit more anxious. And then you're also throwing on top of that, like a hit class five days a week and running and all of that starts to kind of bubble over the top of your stress bucket over time. So this might not happen to every single person, kind of depending on the other stressors in their life. For them, hit classes every day might be totally fine, but it is not black and white. It is different for every single person. And there was a study in 2019 that was done on the pro-inflammatory effects of chronic uh, excessive exercise. And basically what this uh, conclusion was, was that there are, uh, inflammation, there's inflammation that's going to affect the central nervous system and sympathetic ner- nervous system, as well as the HPA access, which kind of affects all of our hormone signals as ladies, when we are excessively training and doing too much exercise as women. So that is really important to note because it's not always better to just do more and more and more, especially if you are stressed out. What we gather from this is that our sy- sympathetic nervous system is going to be triggered into a fight or flight state. And when we are chronically in that state, we're not able to fully relax, rest and digest. And so we're just kind of heightened all the time. That's going to increase inflammation and that's going to negatively affect our hormone signals as well. Um, and I talked about this actually a lot on a recent episode um, uh, with uh, Amber. So definitely go back and look at that. It was all about how hormones affect are affected by how we eat and how we exercise. And I kind of dove into my personal background with losing my cycle for a while and my own stress journey and weight loss journey. So definitely check that out as well. Um, But we want to understand our nervous system here and how it responds to stress. So our parasympathetic state, that's when we're going to be relaxed, rest, and digest. And then sympathetic is when we're in that heightened fight or flight state. Our body senses danger or a stressor or some sort of trigger like that. So if we are constantly... In a state of stress through all of the different components of our life that are stressful, and then we're throwing stressful exercise on top of it, then we're never really coming down from that. And that's going to lead to um, some different, like hormonal responses, over inflammation, and not really a- being able to lose weight. Really. Some people really hold on to weight when their body doesn't feel safe. Um, so you might want to scale back on intense exercise if the following apply to you. One, you're experiencing hormone dysregulation, such as any sort of thyroid disorders, amenorrhea, which is the loss of your cycle, adrenal fatigue or PCOS. You're chronically bloated or feeling inflamed. You feel like you have a super puffy face or your stomach is distended no matter what type of food you're eating. Um, If you're constantly tired, sluggish and have cold hands and feet. If you're experiencing hair loss, you have a very low appetite. You're never waking up hungry despite working out a lot, if you're always prone to doing activities such as hit classes, CrossFit, um, Orange Theory type of classes, running, just all like go, go, go type of forms of workout, cycling, things like that. Um, or if you're just experiencing a high volume of stress in other areas of your life, if you're going through any sort of traumatic life changes, divorce, big moves, big career changes, Parental stress, relational stress, work stress, all of those things definitely can affect your overall stress, load, and nervous system. So, things that you can do to stay active but still keep stress a little bit lower would be adding in deload weeks. So, this would be for someone who's really consistent in the gym, always works out, you know, three to five times a week and never really takes good rest weeks. Um, definitely adding in some deload weeks to give your nervous system a bit of a break as well as your muscles is going to be very helpful. And depending on the stress in your life, you might want to try to do this at least once every three to four months. The next is focusing on strength training and lower intensity cardio, such as walking biking or hiking with a little bit more of a rest emphasis when you are doing your strength training. So this is a great fusion of activity. If you're trying to come off of like a super high inflammation, stressful time of life, the next is deep belly breathing after exercise or after stressful events, that's going to bring you back down into your parasympathetic nervous system state um, and aiming to get you out of that fight or flight state. The next is to lower overall stimuli in your life by doing less Things like task switching throughout the day, less scrolling on social media, less screen time and adding in things like walks and time in nature. The Next is to just take rest days and go for walks. Like if you're feeling super overwhelmed and getting up in the morning is going to be less helpful to your health and maybe a bit more harmful, sleep in a little bit, go for a walk think the whole like no days off grind mentality is so dangerous especially for women we are not meant to operate at that capacity 365 days a year and then the next is to ensure that you aren't chronically under eating this is a really big one because as women we're chronically underfed that's just going to kind of contribute to the amount of stress our body's under and then you're going to experience symptoms like the hormonal and gut type of things so we want to make sure that we are eating enough and being aware of that is the first step because a lot of clients of ours in mountain metabolic come in and have no idea that they've been under eating and that's the first thing that we have to address to get their metabolism into a better place to actually see results um So that is kind of the conclusion of all of our questions today. If you guys like this type of format, let me know. Um, And I will, you know, every few months put open a question box and get your guys feedback on what other questions you want answered on this style of podcast episode. So I hope that this has been helpful and informative. As always, if you want to work with our amazing coaching team, get some one-on-one support for your fitness, hiking, and weight loss attempts, then definitely check out the show notes, get that link going for the application process. And I will be in touch with you to see if it's a good fit. All right, you guys, thanks for tuning in today. I'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the fit for hiking podcast. As always, I hope it leaves you feeling inspired and informed on how to take your health and adventure into your own hands. For more content like this, be sure to follow along with my daily posts at ponytail underscore on a trail. That's ponytail underscore on a trail. You can also stay up to date on my new episodes being released at fit underscore for hiking and find more free resources at ponytail on a Happy and healthy trails.